seven, Stan Phillips. Happy Tuesday, Met fans. How are we all doing? I guess the Super Bowl is over. Valentine's Day is over. And today was the day we were really going to begin focusing on the Mets. As camps for the, Mets were, the camp for the Mets was supposed to open up today. But it just ain't happening. The lockout is continuing. Now, the MLBPA is still deciding how to respond to the league's recent proposal, which was submitted on Saturday. Uh, but as of now... No collective bargaining session between the two sides has been scheduled. Uh, it did appear as though the week's proposal on Saturday moved a bit in the direction of players when it come to minimum salary and other issues, but did not really move at all when it came to the luxury tax. One of the key sticking points for the MLBPA is the luxury tax threshold and the penalties that come as a result of teams exceeding them. In the week's latest proposal, Exceeding certain thresholds came with a loss of a draft pick, including the loss of a first-round pick for exceeding the highest one, a penalty that will almost certainly be a non-starter for the MLBPA in negotiations. Now, with Commissioner Rob Manford saying last week that spring training would likely have to be about four weeks long and that players would be able to report within a week of a new CBA being agreed to, the two sides probably have until February 24th or so to reach a deal in order to prevent regular season games from being lost. So there you have it. That's the latest, and that's the reason why we don't have spring training happening right now. Now, there was a... I'm not sure if this is really a big news story or not, but uh, the details of David Stearns possibly leaving the Brewers finally came to fruition. And it appears as though... David Stearns, who is a lifetime, well, he grew up as a Mets fan, and uh, I think his dream job would be by the Mets, but uh, Andy Martino on the Daily News uh, came out and reported that, according to leaked sources, one of whom has direct knowledge of Stearns' contract, uh, said that if Milwaukee wins a National League pennant in 2022, Stearns will become a free agent after the season. If Milwaukee does not advance the World Series, Stearns will remain under contract to the Brewers through the 2023 season. Stearns, a native New York native, like I said, he was a big Met fan when he grew up, uh, continues to, to intrigue the Mets from afar. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I'm, I'm not sure he wants to be stepping on Billy Epler's toes before he even gets a full season under his belt. Uh, but Epler's friends in the industry says he would not necessarily mind working with Stearns, a longtime friend. Now odds are that Stearns remain unavailable for two more seasons. The Brewers are a good team and certainly would could win the pennant, but with, but as with any team in any year, the World Series hardly can be considered a probable outcome. The Mets win the pennant, by the way. Cohen might no longer feel the need to hire a president of baseball operations. The Mets' interest in Stearns is qualified by the fact that Cohen has never spoken to Stearns about the position because Milwaukee has denied him permission to interview Stearns in two consecutive off-seasons. It's possible that the two will meet one day and determine that they do not fit, as happened with Cohen and Theo Epstein last October. But as of now, the interest continues. 
If the Mets find themselves wanting Stearns again this fall, they'll now face longer odds than they previously realized. Stearns did not respond to a message-seeking comment. Brewer Chairman Mark Antanasio declined comment. So whether or not this is true or not, it's an Andy Martino story. Take it at face value, and let's see what happens. Could be true, could not be true, but maybe one day uh, David Stearns will be in the Met uh, organization. We shall see how you guys feel about that. Now today we celebrate the birthdays of two former Mets. Chuck Estrada, born in 1938. Barry Jones, born in 1963. And on this date in 2011, former manager Joe Frazier passed away. And on this day in 2020, Tony Fernandez passed away, uh, unfortunately, at a very young age. Uh, transactions in Met history today. The Mets signed Bobby Jones. I mean, the Padres signed Bobby Jones as the Mets as a free agent on this date in 2001. The Detroit Tigers signed Vic Darrensborg of Met as a free agent in 2005. On this day in 2008, the Mets signed free agent Brady Clark. On this day in uh, 2011, the Mets signed free agent Jason Isringhausen for another go-round with the Metropolitans. And on this day in 2014, the Cleveland Indians signed Aaron Harang as a free agent from the Mets. And on this day in 2020, the Tampa Bay Rays signed Brooks Pounders of the Mets as a free agent. Let's delve into the career of Chuck Estrada. He played Major League Baseball. Uh, he was a pitcher from 60 to 67. Uh, he was he got off to a fantastic start in the Major Leagues. Uh, his rookie season was probably the best of his career, and he pitched in a total of 36 games and started 25 of them. He tied with Jim Perry for the American League lead without winning more than 20 games in the season. Estrada was also on top of the American League in hits allowed per nine innings and finished with 12 complete games, 144 strikeouts, and a 3.58 ERA. The All-Star Estrada finished second in the Rookie of the Year voting. He fell distantly behind Oriole teammate Ron Hansen. He placed 12th in the AL Most Valuable Player Award voting, but he did win the TSN Sporting News' Pitcher of the Year Award. He was also on the Topps All-Star Rookie roster under the category of right-handed pitcher. He did have another successful season in 61, pitching in 30 games. He had a 15-9 record and a 3.69 ERA and 160 strikeouts and 212 innings of work. He again led the league in hits allowed per nine innings. However, Stroud again showed, showed pitchers of signs of wild pitching. He issued, get this, 132 walks, and that's a little bit too high. That was even 31 higher than that of his rookie season. He again placed second in the league by hitting 10 batters in the season, finishing one lower than Jim Cotton and Minnesota Twins. Now, the next season was disastrous for Estrada as he led the league in losses with 17. He collected only nine wins on the season, and his ERA was 3.83. He had 121 walks and 223 won third innings, finishing close second behind Angels rookie and playboy extraordinaire Bo Bolinski. Now, as you can see, uh, his problem was his control. Uh, the following season, Estrada pitched in only eight games. Uh, he suffered an elbow injury with bone chips and a spur in his right elbow and was done for the season. The following season, Estrada came in as a relief starting pitcher for the Orioles, and it seemed the injury also affected 
Estrada's pitching that year. He pitched 54.2 innings, but posted a 3-2 record with a 5.27. He did not pitch the following season and was sent to the California Angels by the Orioles as part of a conditional deal with two months prior to the start of the 66 season. Just weeks into the 66 season, he returned to the Angels to the Orioles. Was returned by the Angels to the Orioles, I should say. Got to read my notes a little bit more carefully here. A day later, he was sent packing, this time to the Cubs. The Cubs gave Estrada a shot at, as a starting pitcher on June 14, 1966, but he pitched less than an inning, giving up three hits and four in runs and also hitting a batter. The Cubs then sent him to the bullpen and used him in relief for the remainder of the 66 season. His stats only worsened as he pitched to a career-worst 7.30 ERA in only 12.1 innings of work. He was released by the Cubs on November 30, 1966. That same day, he was picked up by the Mets as a free agent. The first game Estrada pitched as a Met was on April 13, 1967, and this is the day that lives in Met history. Now He came in the sixth inning to leave Tom Seaver on his Major League debut, and he did pitch two innings a hit with ball. He picked up the win in the first start of Tom Seaver's Hall of Fame career. So there's a great trivia question for you. However, the rest of the season did not fare as nicely. In 22 innings of work, Strider gave 28 hits, walked 17 batters, and had a 9.41 ERA. And that kind of ended Estrada's career right then and there. After retiring from majors, Estrada found employment in the majors again, this time as a pitching coach. He served as a pitching coach for the Rangers in 73, the Padres 78-81, and the Cleveland Indians in 1983. Now let's proceed to Barry Jones. He played as a pitcher in the Major League for the Pirates, White Sox, Expos, Phillies, and the Mets. Following a trend here, these guys are running up with the Mets as the last stop in the career. Now he started his career with the Pittsburgh Pirates, pitching in 26 games in 86. He went 3-4 and four while finishing 10 games with 3 saves and 37.1 innings for a 2.89 ERA. He fared worse in the following year, pitching in 32 games while going 2-4, and four, with a 5.61 ERA and 43.1 innings. He got more play time with the 88 seasons. He played 59 games with 25 games to finish, with three saves and 82.1 innings. He had a 2.84 ERA while playing for the Pirates and the White Sox. Uh, and he was traded to the White Sox for Dave LaPointe on August 13th. The next year, he went 3-2 and two while pitching in 32 games, garnering one save in 74 innings, but a pretty damn good ERA of 2.37 total. Oddly enough, it was the first only time in his career that Jones had his walks plus per innings below 1.00 as he had a whip with a fantastic whip of 0.989, allowing 22 hits and 8 walks in 30.1 innings. Jones would have his peak in 1990. He made appearances in 65 games while pitching a 2.31 ERA and an 11-4 record in 74 innings with a save. On July 1st, he was the winning pitcher in the game. That saw Andy Hawkins pitch a no-hitter, but still lose the game. Johnson came in to pitch the eighth inning with the score tied at zero. He allowed a base runner to reach on an error, but then got the next three batters out. He received the win when the White Sox scored the go-ahead run in the eighth inning on three errors and two walks. On December 23rd, he was traded with Evan Calderon to the Montreal Expos for Jeff Carter, Tim Raines, and Mario Brito. His time with the Expos was laborious. He pitched in 77 games, the most of his career and most in the National League that year, pitching 88.2 innings, 
while having a 4-9 record with 3.35 ERA and 13 saves. On December 9th, he was traded by the Expos to the Phillies for Darren Fletcher in cash. His troubles did not cease with the new season. He went 7-6 with two teams, but had a 5.68 ERA with a whip of 1.722, while pitching 69.2 innings with one save. On August 8th, he was granted his release by the Phillies, and he signed with the Mets six days later. How'd he do with the Mets, you're asking? Well, let's just say it. Let's just say that uh, Harvey Porras would love this type of statistic with the Mets in 92. He uh, pitched 17 games, 15.1 innings pitched, and an ERA of 9.39 and a whip of 2.022. So that was the beginning of the end for uh, Barry Jones. He did go back to the White Sox and pitched in six games in 93, but again, he had a great start to his career and sort of like... Uh, Chuck Estrada, it just kept getting worse as it went along. Now, unfortunately, on this day in 2011, Joe Frazier passed away. Now, he was now fielder and manager in Major League Baseball. Uh, he did have, a, he didn't play in the Major Leagues until 1947. Uh, he kicked around a bit. And at the age of 33 in 1956, he finished his playing career after playing in 217 games. He did have a successful career as a minor league manager, first in the Astros mag organization. Then in beginning in 68, that's when he came into the Mets farm system. He managed in Mankato of the Northern League, then Pompano Beach in the Florida State League. He would win the pennant in 1971 with Vesalia of the California League. He then went on to win league championships with Memphis and Victoria in the Texas League. While Frazier was managing the Tidewater Tides in 1975, they did win the International League Championship. Tigers had to win 22 of their last 33 games to finish the regular season, a first-place tie with the Rochester Red Wings. The Tides then won a one-game playoff by the four-hit pitching of Nino Espinosa, a future Met. The Tides advanced the Governor's Cup by defeating Charleston three games to one, and then Syracuse three games to one. They went on to, to the Junior World Series, losing to Evansville of the American Association four games to one. Now, following that successful 75 season, Joe Frazier was promoted to the to manager of the parent Mets on October 3rd, replacing interim manager Roy McMillan. As introductory press conference, Met General Manager Joe McDonald said, Joe Frazier has consistently proved us his ability to handle players. Winning is what it's all about, and Joe Frazier is a winner. I don't know what Muhammad Ali would have said about that. Eh, there goes one of my, my dad joke of the day. Frazier himself added, I'm the type of manager who stresses fundamentals. I think a man should go from first to third on a hit and second to home. I demand hustle. If I have my way, you're going to see a Mets club next year. That will hustle. And Frazier did manage the Mets to a pretty damn good record, 86-76, and 76, good for a third-place finish, which improved over their 82-80 record from the previous season. But in 77, the Mets got off to a poor start and followed with a 15-30 record. We all know what happened in 77. That was the beginning of the end with Tom Seaver being dealt. And Frazier was replaced by uh, Joe Torrey, who was an active player on the Met roster at the time. In 82, he was the manager of the Louisville Redbirds, the AAA affiliate Cardinals. The team finished in second place with a 73-62 and 62 record. And he was succeeded as manager of the Redbirds by Jim Fregosi. Now also uh, passing away, unfortunately, uh, at the young age of 58, Two years ago was Tony Fernandez. 
And he played from seven teams from 1983 to 81, mostly with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a five-time All-Star, pretty good with the glove, known for his defensive skills, and he won four consecutive gold gloves from 86 to 89. He batted over 304 times, led the major leagues with 17 triples in 1990, collected 30 doubles six times, and 20 stolen bases seven times. He also led the American League shortstops in assists three times and in putouts and fielding average twice each. After moving to the National League in 1990 following a blockbuster trade, he returned to the Blue Jays in midseason in 93 and played a role in helping the club repeat as World Series champions in 93. Like I said, before the 91 season, Fernandez was traded to the Padres in a deal that sent Jays star Fred McGriff to San Diego in exchange for Roberto Almar and Joe Carter. That was a huge deal. But then here's where the Met part comes in. After the 92 season, the Mets traded him to the New York Mets. I mean, the Padres traded him to the Mets for DJ Dozier, Wally Whitehurst, and a player to be named later. He did have a disappointing start to the 93 season. The Mets traded him to the Blue Jays for Darren Jackson. And that was his career with the Mets. Not even one on season and done. In his 93 campaign with the Mets, he played in 48 games and batted 225. Pretty weak numbers, one homer and 14 RBI. So, not a memorable career for Tony Fernandez. We didn't get to Tony Fernandez that dazzled and finished in the MVP voting, I think, three or four times. Four times he finished in the, uh, he got MVP votes from 86 to 89. So, we didn't see that Tony Fernandez, but he was a Met. And we honor him today on the anniversary of his death. Okay, now it's time for Met Trivia and Jeopardy. Who's ready? Let's see a raise of hands as always. Good to see you guys are ready. Got your pen and paper there to write the answers down. That's fantastic. Well, here is today's baseball trivia question. When the Mets traded Todd Frazier to the Texas Rangers for a player to be named later, who was that player? Now today's Met Baseball Jeopardy. First clue, war number 70 is a Met. On September 12, 2017, he was traded to the Mets as a player to be named later in the Neil Walker trade that took place in August. We will be back at the end of the broadcast with these answers for you. Okay, now it's time to talk about what's going on in the greatest Facebook Met group there is, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're not a member and you're on Facebook, please do join. It's called New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. And every day we have great contributors, great fans, parting their wisdom and comments every day. Uh, and if you're not a subscriber to this podcast, please do subscribe. We'd love to have you uh, be updated every day, every time one is available, so you can listen at your convenience. And just a reminder, we now have a Twitter presence. We're now on Twitter. It's New York Mets Baseball Way of Life on Twitter. So check us out there. We not only uh, post stuff from the group, we post stuff from other Mets sources. Uh, we're an equal opportunity Met information sharer. So please do check it out. Uh, it's always good stuff. Always good stuff. Now, some of the things we were discussing about was Matt Harvey. He's going to have to testify in the uh, Eric K trial, which information's coming out that Tyler Skaggs texted Harvey asking for him to do some loosey-goosey in 2019. 
Kay is being accused of providing the late Skaggs with drugs before his death. So we'll see what happens. The briefing is today. So it should be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, you hate to see something like that with Matt Harvey's name attached. So let's see what happens. Now, we also talked about uh, the Rising Apple in their article on the uh, Mets trade, best trade with the Diamondbacks. And they said that it was in 2015, August 30th, 30th, 2015, when the Mets traded for Addison Reed. Addison was a damn good pitcher in his time. And for the Mets in 2015, in 15.1 regular seasons, he had a 1.17 ERA. He followed it up with a 1.97 ERA in 77.2 innings the next season. Then in 2017, he became the club's closer and successfully saved 19 games before he strayed to the Red Sox. He did this while pitching to a 2.57 ERA. Now, the Rising Apple says Reed isn't one of the all-time great relief pitchers. Nevertheless, during a recent successful time in club history, he was a vital asset they needed. And I did love Addison Reed at his time with the Mets. Uh, I was very pleased with what was going on, as Marvin Gaye would say. Now, Keith Law, a highly respected uh, evaluator of talent and a baseball writer and well-respected man, came out with his... Uh, Top prospects for the Mets, he has our number one prospect is Francisco Alvarez, and his stock just keeps rising and rising. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, shortstop, second. Brett Beatty, who some say is the best third baseman in minor leagues today, third. Mark Vientos, third base, fourth. Ramirez, Alex Ramirez, fifth. Matt Allen, sixth. JT Ginn, seventh. Khalil Lee, who we saw a little bit last year, uh, eighth. And Carlos Cortez, ninth. If you want to check out the remaining 20, check, go to our site. We have them all listed there for you. Good stuff once again from Keith Law. Now, this just came in, and this is very interesting. The Matt Harvey Skaggs trial update. Uh, it looks like Matt Harvey admitted he was using cocaine before he went to California, but that also Eric Kay was in rehab at the time. Harvey claims that the late Tyler Skaggs had another oxy source but didn't, but did not get the drugs that killed him from that person. So this is getting interesting by the minute here. Uh, Harvey said on June 30th, 2019, the day the Angels flew to Texas, he found out the last minute he wasn't going. He was upset to miss out and hit from other players. Says he discussed getting a blue oxy from Eric Kay, put in his locker, and didn't take it that day. The next day, when he woke and heard about Tyler Skaggs, before he heard cause of death, he threw out the blue pill, afraid something would happen to him. Matt Harvey says he didn't know the extent of how much Oxy Skaggs was using. So Skaggs never told him he had a problem with Percocet either. Harvey said he used Oxy in the clubhouse and dugout. Skaggs told him he crushed and stored an Oxy, on the toilet paper dispenser in the clubhouse bathroom. So this is getting sad, and uh, I don't know what's going to be happening here. And then we mentioned that uh, Brody Van Wagen, Michael Meyer, had a tweet. 
and said around this time two years ago about Zach Wheeler, Brody said we helped him parlay two good half seasons over the last five years into $118 million. Well, since Zach has been a Philly, the $118 million may be a bargain. He's at a 2.82 ERA, fourth in the MLB, 284 innings, first in the MLB, and 9.2 war, second in the MLB. So Zach has done well. And let's not forget how well Dwight Gooden did, as I posted a, a Met Facebook post about Dwight and his stats. He's a World Series champion, four-time All-Star, NL Rookie of the Year, 64.9 winning percentage. He won the Triple Crown, pitching Triple Crown in 85, Cy Young in 85. He had a 41.6 war as a Met pitcher, which is uh, pretty damn good. And 1,875 strikeouts, which is second in Met history. Not too bad. And then I also mentioned that uh, Jacob DeGrom let this sink in. Only gave up a total of 11 earned runs and 15 starts last year. Once again, 11 earned runs and 15 starts. Pretty damn good. Pat Ragazzo posted an article about Billy Epler and David Stearns possibly teaming up. And that's what... We uh, were discussing earlier. It should be interesting to see what transpires with all of that. And then the other uh, thing we were mentioning is why should we feel good about the Mets this year? It was an SNY article. And, uh, well, number one is when you have the Grom and Scherzer as your one-two punch as starters, that is pretty damn good. And then the offensive reinforcement should provide a jolt with Marte, Escobar, and Kana. And hopefully Francisco Lindor should return to being Francisco Lindor. Now Buck Showalter in his first year probably will have a positive impact. He's an elite tactician whose in-game managerial skills should give the Mets an advantage on most nights. He managed the Mets in the New York market and will not need any on-job training. So he could be that stabling force that the Met Clubhouse needs. Now it's time for our Met Jeopardy and Trivia Question Answers. The qu trivia question was when the Mets traded Todd Frazier to the Texas Rangers for a player to be named later. Who was that player? The correct answer is Ryder Ryan. Congrats to Kareem Haywood on being the first to submit the correct answer. The second, our Jeopardy had two clues as always. Our first clue was war number 70 is a Met. And on September 12th, 2017, was traded to the Mets as the player to be named later in the Neil Walker trade that took place in August. Well, the correct response to that final Jeopardy is who is Eric Hanhole? Congrats to our good friend John Tierney on being the first to submit the correct answer to that. Now, a few more notes I'd like to leave leave you with before we end the podcast is on this date in 2011 the Mets brought back like I said earlier Jason, Jason Isringhausen who I loved I thought he might be the next Tom Seaver and they brought him signed him to a minor league deal coupled with an invitation to spring training now Isringhausen is attempting a comeback with Tommy John surgery at 38 he was part of the Mets vaunted three in the mid 90s with Bill Pulsifer and Paul Wilson who remembers them the minor league standouts were supposed to anchor the Met pitching staff for the next decade, next decade, but all three fell victim to arm injuries. None of them had much success. Sad, it ended that way. 
I did like Wilson. I did like Ezringhaus. I wasn't that keen on Pulsifer. But, yeah, I did think that two of the three were going to be stud pitchers, and that just never transpired. And on this day in 2001, after turning down the Mets offer of salary arbitration, that at the very least would have been worth two to three million, Bobby Jones signs a one-year free agent deal with the Padres for only 625000 So Bobby kind of blew that one and dropped the ball. Mets were going to give him bigger bucks than what the Padres did. Now, a 31-year-old right-hander was 11-6 the previous year, 2000, with the Mets. And in 2001, things didn't work out quite well for Bob as he lost 19 games for the Padres that season. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for another podcast. Thanks again for joining, folks. really do appreciate your support. It means a lot to me. And again, if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe. And if you're not a member of the Facebook group, seek it out. It's New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. Great place to get Met information every day. We try to keep on top of things every every way we can. Uh, so that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with some more good stuff. So please do join in. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day.